0: this is restless welcome back to restless actually i should welcome you back to the rise and fall of joshua harris part two i am your host matt and i am joined yes yes he's back now a father of four pastor michael bowman michael how are you doing tonight i am doing well um you know We were on Baby Watch 2022 the
1: last time I was recording with you, and now I am watching a baby in 2022. Um, So I'm actually recording. You might hear it throughout the podcast. I do have a baby in my arms so that my lovely wife can get some sleep. So um, the baby is here. He is wonderful. Warren Athanasius Bowman. Uh, Maybe we'll have to do an episode on uh, St. Athanasius and on the incarnation sometime just to celebrate uh, the birth of my son. Uh, But we're happy, we're excited, and uh, I happen to know that uh, my son is very excited to be here for this, this, his inaugural episode.
0: So Pastor Michael, did you get to hear part one, where we dove into Joshua Harris's role in the YRR as your chair was ably filled by Matt, currently Baptist Contreras, helping us out last week. Yeah,
1: it was great. Um, glad Matt came on the show. Matt, shout out to you. Um, thanks for filling my seat while I was gone. Glad that you were able to do it. Um, it yep. I was able to listen and, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't write anything down as particularly, you know, wrong uh, that you guys did. It was, you know, missing my voice, which makes it maybe a less good podcast, but uh, we'll, we'll be okay with it, I guess.
0: Well, we are glad you're back. For that reason, that this podcast will not be missing your voice. Some some so, may say
1: we'll have too much of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and tonight we will be listening to more of Joshua Harris's interview. Why? Because as I listen to the episode, just to remind you, please go back to last week's episode if you plan on uh, yeah wanting to hear about Joshua Harris's. Roll in the wire because tonight we are discussing apostasy, which, because obviously, famously, Joshua Harris leaves the faith. What, Ada? So, now that I have a baby, we can continue our discussion of Joshua Harris's apostasy. So, it is a good night to be recording with small children. And so, <laughs> we hope you enjoy it as much as our children will. Baby night, and baby I, night on Restless to talk
1: about apostasy.
0: <laughs> that's right. Now, Pastor Michael, I will say I am glad you are here for this episode as apostasy and, and doubt is uh, can be a difficult subject. And especially because, honestly, from a, a a consistently reformed perspective, we do have a we do have a maybe a unique view on understanding apostasy, apostasy than many evangelicals, or at least that I did especially when I was YRR.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, this is a, it's, it's an important subject, I think, for a lot of, you know, our fellow Young Restless and Reform, uh, because when, you know, we were first confronted with the doctrines of grace, and especially the idea of perseverance of the saints, uh, it then caused some conflict, I think, in how to understand passages in scripture about those who walk away. Uh, from the faith. and there are clear passages and the warnings about uh, not walking away, not forsaking uh, the covenant and things like this. Um, so uh, I think that that having a deeper and may, maybe more uh, mature understanding of these things can be helpful for those in the young restless reform. And I think it's helpful for all of us to keep talking about this as you guys began last time, um, that you know, they talk about it on this podcast the whole, you know, exvangelical. Thing, whatever right. you want to call it, movement or whatever it is, it is really huge, right? I mean, this is this is a big deal right now. It seems like um, it seems at least somewhat popular, even if it's a minority of people within the evangelical church. It's still a large enough group that that it's become a major talking point. And so, to talk about what that means in light of what you know apostasy is and what it looks like, and and how we can understand those who walk away, I think is important.
0: Yeah, well, I would like to share uh, it is not a thesis of the episode you can hear our previous episode for that but i want to talk about this the last what my understanding of what kind of conflict was going on in the last half hour of this podcast which is largely obviously an edited but a conversation between cosper and joshua harris and i said the conflict in the conversation between harris and cosper is them trying to explain why Joshua Harris was hurt. And one of them saying it's the problem of celebrity. And the other is saying it was the result of the theology being practiced. Right. So Mike Cosper is kind of consistently presenting. Yeah, there were abuses in this system. We need to correct. And Joshua Harris continues to say his view is the theology believed is what led to this. And that seems to be the central conflict going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, Cosbert clearly does everything he can to put the best possible spin on what happened to Josh Harris and what Josh Harris is doing. And I think he clearly does it out of a desire to uh, win Josh Harris or other people uh, in similar places, uh, others within the ex-evangelical movement. He He clearly wants to like win them back to the faith. Um, he wants to be mm-hmm. winsome in a way that they will uh, maybe return. And he wants to, you know, in doing so, he wants to to start by uh, trying to help them uh, feel that they've been heard, that they've been understood, that they're right about some things. He wants to give them as much ground as he's able to. Yet you do hear in this episode that time and time again, it comes back to, um, well, no, it's not just these things that happened to me. It's not just the celebrity issue. Um, it's not just that I was thrust into celebrity at a young age. Uh, It's also that I don't like your God. I don't like the God that, you know, uh, will uh, use law and judge people and send people to hell, that that's not actually good news, and it can't be. And so um, that's, that's kind of where it seems to end, basically, with Cosper trying to keep as much of a positive note as possible.
0: And we have actually a clip of me discussing the I don't want to say misunderstanding or twisting of what the law is that Joshua Harris does that you can find on Patreon and you should join soon because we are going to try and schedule a Patreon hangout. But we need to get to these clips or we'll never get done with these two babies. So (laughs) let's start with kind of where the story of him losing his faith does, which is the story of him leaving the pastorate. So we'll just listen to that briefly.
2: January 25th, 2015, he shared with his congregation that he was moving on.
3: This, this is what I'm, I'm realizing. I need to hear clearly from Jesus about his purpose for me. Losing my mom a few years ago, um, turning 40 last year, it's been a gut check for me. I'm asking the question, what does it mean for me to be faithful, to fulfill God's purpose for me in my generation with the remaining time that I have in this life? I've had many people over the years tell me what, what God's purpose for my life is. And what I'm learning is that only Jesus can place a call in my life. Um, I, can't, I can't live someone else's plan for my life. I can't even live my plan for my life. I need to live Jesus' plan for my life.
2: Just a few months later, Josh and his family moved all the way across the continent from Maryland to Vancouver, where he'd enrolled in seminary at Regent.
0: We're going to continue that in a in a second. Pastor Michael, what do you think about this message he was sharing to the, his congregation?
1: So I'm struck. Now, I, I didn't listen to the whole thing. Um, and I know this is just kind of the tradition probably that he's in. Um, I'm struck just by... Uh, the fact that this is, you know, part of a sermon, like he's preaching a sermon, and it's all about his personal change of what he sees as his future, or that he just doesn't know what it is. Um, I'm also struck just by the fact that turning 40 and the death of his mother are placed alongside each other as both like such completely like, you know, game changing moments. And one of those seems right, you know, like one of those seems like, uh, obviously, it should be a pretty massive uh event in your life um and the other just does not seem like the other seems like uh okay i mean you did something that everybody does um clearly there is this idea you know this kind of midlife crisis kind of event um in a sense but it's much more than that in this case um there's there's a lot more um it seems like you know he's getting to this point where he's questioning everything that he's uh ever you know been a
0: part of right let's listen to a little bit more.
2: In college. Prior to this, he'd never been in an actual classroom before. It was all homeschool and pastoral training at the church. But as much as education was a part of the equation, his bigger goal was just to make space, to look back on his life and figure out how he'd gotten to this place. Tired, feeling the burden of his failures and the sadness of his disappointments.
3: When I think about my own life, a lot of that was shaped by my own ambition. Like, I, it's really important for me to recognize okay sure people taught me things you know they were older they should have been more responsible but i i have to keep owning the fact that man i wanted all this you know i wanted the acclaim i wanted the you know the best-selling book i wanted to be famous i wanted the security of being in the right camp that was better than all the other camps so i bought into it you know i i completely threw myself myself into that and um, yeah, that's just, a, I think, an Im- important p- thing for me to, to own and also to, you know, now need to, to sift through.
0: So let me say this whole thing, again, the understanding of, of calling to be a pastor, there's a lot going on here. But even just this like, man, mid-career, and this, is ve- this was very common in the YRR world. We, I mean, we actually talked about this a long time ago with Rob. The practice of, well, I've been in ministry. I better go to seminary now. Yeah. The the like that's the next step. Yeah. The the and again, I'm not saying this is what happened to Joshua Harris. I think this happened to a lot of people though. The now seminary is not the solution to everything, but but preparedness and training for ministry is a big solution to a lot of things.
1: Yeah, even just thinking about you know how many of the issues that came up, even issues of well, I was young, you know, I got into all these trouble. You know, I wrote this book that you know uh, went crazy when I was eighteen um, about dating. Even just the idea, by the way, of, of a book by an eighteen-year-old on you know what we should all be do, doing for dating is just weird. <laughs> right. um, but whatever, you know, uh, you know we could we can talk about that more. But it is just a a strange way to look at it all. Uh, I'm struck once again, uh, just the, the self-centeredness of it. And I know this is an episode about him, right? So obviously they're asking questions about him and his personal, like, you know, story and everything. So, so I don't want to read too much into that, but I do think that what you get both through this episode, and if you followed any of this outside of, of what's going on, if you followed kind of, uh, you know, uh, Josh Harris over the years, that there is a really strong and he even says it here a really strong reliance upon himself his own ambition a really strong uh, ambition that he has um a clearly a very self-centered focus on life um and he got to this point where um he, his self was not doing it right like it wasn't it wasn't making it anymore um uh, and because that's ultimately where it seems like he was placing his faith well that doesn't that doesn't get you anywhere that, you know? Um, but then instead of, you know, dealing with that by saying, Hey, I'm going to try to, um, come to know God more because evidently I was not trusting in him. Like I had thought I was Mm -hmm. instead, he said, well, I better look back on my life and study myself and study what's happened to me and see what, you know, see what that
0: does for me. We are not going to play, uh, clips from his seminary experience just for the sake of time, but this is the other big thing right how horrible idea was it to make that movie (laughs) um because so i'm i assume you if you're listening to this have heard this episode when he goes to seminary he asks if he can you do use an independent study to actually make a movie about how hurtful i kiss dating goodbye was and so he spends time traveling the country talking to people about how bad an idea it was now I watched this movie oh did you uh, and it was it was very interesting and it felt pretty clear watching the movie that like this was not going to be a theologically reformed-ish person for very much longer as mm-hmm. you watch him engage but but again I'm not I, I'm not, my point is not my I, I think it was a bad idea but what I think was a really bad idea is Seminary or theological education, that is the specific time where it goes, you have to just start, you have to fit in this mold because we are here to teach you about God. We are here to teach you about universal truths and a ministry that is bigger than you, that has existed much longer than you, and will and is in the church. That is, you are a tiny piece of, of right. And so, the idea that it should be like. Well, I'd like to personalize it to my own struggles with making this movie and immaturities and people I hurt, right? Even if all of those things are legitimate.
1: Yeah. And we can look back, like we can even listen to it and be like, yeah. And, you know, uh, I didn't read the book. I think you said you haven't read this book. So yeah, did it like, was it problematic? Probably Um, like, are there, are there things that you can reflect upon that have happened to you? Sure. Sure. Yes. Uh, but clearly the emphasis is on, I went off to get to know me more. And that is exactly what the problem seems to have been the whole time, you know, and Cosper, um, to his credit, even though he doesn't a very like, you know, he's trying to be as winsome as he possibly can. And I get that I get in this situation that you would want to do that. He does, though, seem to push on that at one point, right? Like, how do you know? that you're not just doing the same thing, but now with a different faith, which instead is just this yeah. kind of secular mindset. Um, and, you know, Josh Harris does say, maybe that's true or something like that, right? He's like, I don't have certainty anymore, um, which then, you know, I don't know what, what are you doing, I guess, but.
0: And because we have given Mike Cosper a hard time in a lot of these, we are going to attempt to play him at his best, trying to speak to Harris in that way. But I just think that, really honestly most seminary students do and probably what a lot of Americans need like me in an individualized culture is just saying you know what's going to make you godly just working to fit in this mold and be part of this thing that is not personalized to you at all and is yeah just- this is
1: oh this is so huge i mean, seriously this this is something that time and time again I end up preaching from the pulpit because I'm just more and more like struck with it myself um, as as the text of scripture, uh, speaks to me as well as then, you know what I think that we all really need today, but just the very idea of the fear of God and a true humility as we approach God—that we don't approach God um, with a list of demands. We don't—we don't get to approach God uh, saying, "Okay, God, you know what can you do for me? Hey, what's in it for me? Um, God, I don't really like how you've done these things. How you know you've done these things in my life, or or these things that it says about you in the Bible." and things that you've done uh, in the past, I don't really like that about you. Well, that's not coming to God in faith. Um, I'm not saying that right. you have to come understanding everything. You might have misunderstandings. You might say, God, I don't get it. But faith at its, at its core is a, a giving up of yourself unto God saying, I'm yours, right? Whatever you would do with me. If you would send me to hell, so be it. You're God right? That's, that's actual faith. That's, that's actual, uh, true heart humility. Um, and this is something that we are so far from our entire world, uh, is built to convince us that we are in control of everything, right? The technology that we have, the, the way that we develop our societies, like we, we have command over everything, but the reality is that there is uh, one who is outside of us, who is over us, who is above us, who is greater than us, who created us, who we belong to, who does not belong to us. Um, I'm looking forward in uh, a couple of weeks, just this morning, I was I was reading through Romans 11. Uh, I'm looking forward to preaching uh, the end of Romans. I'm looking forward to preaching, you know, all of it that I get to preach, but especially the end of Romans 11 and Romans 11, 33 to 36, uh, where it just speaks to the, just the the total uh, grandness uh, of of God, how, you know, how unsearchable his ways, uh, you know, who has ever given to God that God should repay him, right? Nobody, nobody has one up on God. You don't have anything when you come to God. And I don't think that people take this seriously enough, right? This is, this is where so much I think of this apostasy comes is because people come to the church. They come to God, uh, as, Hey, this is the next step to get the thing that I want, right? (laughs) This is, this is the next way for me to find some kind of self-fulfillment um this is how i can be the best me and uh if you come for that reason right if you come in order what does jesus say right if if you come in order to uh find your life you will lose it if that's your goal if that's what you're seeking if you seek to save your life you're going to lose it it's if you uh die that you will actually live it's as you take up your cross if you actually are willing to give up your life for Christ's sake and for the sake of the gospel, uh, it's then that you will actually find it. And so many times uh, that's not that's not what we've done. We do the opposite. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, even when I just think about theological education, it is very healthy in theological education that you don't get to pick your subjects that those there are their electives that like yeah you have to learn these things doesn't matter what your interest is doesn't matter even if you think you know these things well it just it puts you in a you are there for the purpose of your own training and development not for your own interest because that's right you don't you don't if you're a christian you don't need to go to seminary that's not a thing that all christians need it's a specific training and education ground for people looking to ministry right and so you the then then train on that it's not a place it's not the place for self-discovery it's not the place to even deal with the the harm you have now maybe that's worked for some people that's the church right that's real friends and family like not a and not a movie about you interviewing people about oh, how man. you hurt them yeah what but, a bummer yeah but okay before we before we go even further down this road, let's listen to a clip where Harris describes the experience of apostasy. An experience I hope uh, I never share.
2: It allowed him to ask questions that pastors are often afraid of asking. You know, step one was, I don't want to be a pastor anymore.
3: Like that was huge to be able to admit that when so much of my identity and, and, you know, it was wrapped up in that. Step two was starting this process of listening to people who had been hurt by my book and recognizing that even with good intentions, you can build something that's actually damaging to people. You can think you're loading people up with grace and you're actually loading them down with man-made rules. And you know, behind the scenes, there was a lot that was falling apart in my marriage. My wife and I ended up deciding to end our marriage. And when that was made public again, a whole nother layer of identity. And I think that my process of deconstruction is so wrapped up in all of those things, You know, so much of what I gave myself to, so many of the people that you know, kind of presented all these truths to me, so much of that fell apart that I just needed to be at a place of saying, I need to step away from all of it. I don't wanna be trying to justify, explain, defend anything I need this space to be able to figure out what is and isn't real apart from all of that pressure.
0: So pastor Michael here, we have what it is like and the steps. I mean, he, he describes the steps to his deconversion. Uh, let me say one thing about this that I, I just think is really is probably an important thing for uh, evangelicals uh, to learn about apostasy since this is and we'll get to this in a second what we're supposed to learn right what we're supposed to learn from ex-evangelicals and and those who've left the faith no notice the things he's describing that led him down this path one realizing he had the freedom to say he doesn't want to be a pastor uh in figuring out how his book hurt people that he could think he was doing the right thing but be hurting people the destruction of his marriage all these things interesting that he left the faith and at no point did he say and then i realized there was no way jesus got out of the tomb (laughs) like that guy's dead and buried somewhere somewhere in palestine this i think the common we are in the area where apostasy the common story is apostasy because of experience and not because of a rationalistic process by which I learned the gospels were not reliable or there's no way they crossed the Red Sea.
1: Right. Hence why when William Lane Craig just tries to give those guys everything they want, it literally doesn't mean anything, man. You're giving, you're giving away the faith for nothing. Um, Yeah. I'm again, like, I think that it's good to say, yes. Like it's like the, the common, uh, thread is typically experienced, right? I had these certain experiences, uh, but also notice like what clearly uh, Josh Harris's faith was tied up in. It was tied up in him being a path, him being in a position of power, authority, influence. It was tied up in the fact that he had uh, written this book that was like, you know, uh, doing things for people. Like he was, he, his, what he had done in other, words, like his works, it's literally his works, is what he was trusting in he was trusting in these things his marriage right this was these were core now when i hear this too by the way i i just think man um like he's he's trying to say these things like like he's just got it figured out and you heard this in the sermon too and he's giving this sermon that he's leaving to go you know figure stuff out he's but he says it in a way like hey i've listen i understand what i'm doing i know what's going on but from the outside looking in, you can say, man, this is a, a broken dude, right? This is this is a guy who has a lot of troubles, a lot of problems, and he needs a lot of help. And he needs people probably to say to him, and evidently, he seems like the kind of guy that probably has not listened to this. I assume that he's heard this, but maybe yeah. not. Um, but he seems like the kind of guy that needs to be told, hey, stop like, publishing stuff. Stop putting yourself in movies. Stop. Like stop making this about you. You need to like listen to what you said. Hey, I need to go figure this stuff out. But then, like stop telling everybody else how they can figure it out. You know, like it's what you see here is that um, things haven't really changed, right? That's what it seems like. Things haven't changed. The same kind of of person that as an eighteen year old would tell the world how dating should operate um, is the same. Like that that kind of person is also the kind of person that says, "Hey, take my." hundred something dollar course to tell you how you can deconstruct your faith you know it's the same God
0: yeah yeah I and, and I think yeah I, I I think it's it's totally true that this is the yeah, again this is this is the question with um for those who are uh, who've left the faith the question is why are you certain this time you've got it like what about any of the perspective he's currently sharing? Why should he have why would you even want to share that at this point? You know, if you're like, hey, I literally up until the age of 40 devoted my life to something that I've now become convinced was so harmful and so wrong, you know, that I'm going to going to act like this. What would make you think now? you're in a place of stability and certainty.
1: Yeah, this is maybe a good place even to say hey, if you're listening to this and you're like man, I like I also like struggle with doubts sometimes about this. You know, I struggle mm. with doubts about my faith about um the the certainty of it all. I don't I don't know what to think about, you know, these kind of core doctrines of the faith. I just don't know the way to respond to that is not uh, trying to just it, it's not just, Hey, well, I don't know. Um, I'm uncertain about something. I feel uh, uneasy about something. So I'm going to jump ship, you know, mm. like uh, if, if you were, if you were on an actual ship, right. You are, you are sailing across the water and you're in a storm, right. Waves are coming up over the decks. You feel the wind, right. You, you can't really see anything. Um, if you're afraid of that storm, if that's frightening, if you aren't sure what to do, or even if you're going to be safe through this, um, the response that you should have is not, well, I'm going to jump overboard. You know, like that, that right. will not act, that will not help anything. Okay. That's, that is not what's going to actually make it any different.
0: Yeah. I, I, again, and this is probably another good episode the cheap assurance, the cheap ways we've sold assurance of salvation is probably is at least if you feel doubt, which is just, so you know, somewhat normal, very normal, <laughs> just to, yeah. that's a. I I want you to know that's a pretty normal experience, but this way we've sold assurance with, well, you can know for sure. And it can never be, sh- you know, like where it's like, there's apparently like a five minute process you can go through and you'll have assurance of salvation for the rest of your life. I want you to know that is a new and actually a thing, again, a thing that has come from revivalism. Let me read actually a really pastoral section from the Westminster Confession about true believers losing their assurance. True believers may have the assurance of their salvation shaken, diminished, and intermitted by the negligence of preserving it, falling into some special sin, which wounds the conscience and grieves the spirit, or by some temptation, by God withdrawing the light of his countenance, suffering such fear as even walking in darkness and having no love. Yet they are never utterly destitute of the seed of God, the life of faith, the love of Christ and the brethren, and the certainty of heart and the conscience of duty, out of which by the operation of the spirit, this assurance, may be retrieved and by which in the meantime they are supported from utter despair. And so there's a lot, again, we could go through that and maybe it would be a good bonus episode sometime is going through the ways it talks about how you can lose assurance. Sometimes it is due to your own sin, can be due to circumstance, but that you're kept from other despair by God's grace and can retrieve a degree of assurance. I think what's just important as you heard that, I hope the paragraph was helpful, but saving faith is distinct from assurance. And this is the boat, the ship analogy you just gave being on the ship still gets you there. Even if you're terrified, Yep. even if you're terrified. And so doubt is not something we have to fear. Even doubt is something. This is, this is the, it's one of the, it's the cheap assurance. It's when we don't want to deal with the difficult things in our life and our emotions, we just we look for, we pretend there are microwavable solutions, right? I think this is one of the desires of the. Well, healing can still be immediate and has to be immediate. And if you don't have enough faith, it can happen. Well, because that shields me from having to deal with, I'm dying of cancer now, or I have a I have a I have a medical condition that I can't control, right. It,
1: that's a good point too that um, so much of of the modern faith is built around these ideals of everything is great, like the life victorious you know and um, there's like there's an element obviously of Christ' victor and and the victory of Christ being at work in our lives and and the you know the resurrection power of Christ in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit uh, gifting us for ministry like there's there are elements of that uh, but uh it is it is only to our detriment, if that's all we speak of. And I don't know if this is the case, but um, this is uh, seemingly to me, uh, more often a problem in more charismatic circles, um, just that uh, the, the focus is on it's not purely charismatic, don't get me wrong. Um, those of you, you know, our listeners who are more charismatic, um, you know, I don't mean that this is only true in charismatic circles, but I think it's more often true that there's a focus on hey, there's this kind of like victorious life, we can conquer everything. And, and, you know, there's there's none of these hardships that can really, you know, take us out. And the reality of life is that, and the reality of the life that God has given us is one where uh, there is extreme pain and extreme hardship and there is stress and there's difficulty so much so that even the son of God came into this world and he uh, suffered greatly. And he told us that we should expect the same. That we should expect to suffer in this life, and uh, when we have just kind of brushed over the the real suffering that happens in this life, right? The real marital troubles that even Christians go through, um, the real like like uh, difficulties of simply coming to grips with your own failures, right? Where like, hey, I'm 40 years old, and I look back and even, you know, since I was writing when I was just a teenager and I wrote a book when I was 18 and now all this other stuff, I have done so many horrible things, right? Like I've, I have failed so much. That can be absolutely crushing. And I want to, like, I want to give that to Josh Harris, um, especially even just the fact that he uh, was allowed to be put in these positions, not just by his own ambition. Um, There, like, there is an element that that, I can't imagine how really difficult that would be. Right to come to grips with that, um, yeah. it would be really devastating. Uh, like I even just today, there was a moment I was thinking about this because I I just thought about a moment in high school where I I did something stupid, and it wasn't even like it wasn't a great sin. It wasn't even like a massive embarrassing moment. My guess is that nobody else in the world remembers this thing, but it just popped up in my mind for whatever reason. And what it really caused me to do was just think about how. Uh, weirdly, like, powerful the emotions of, like, shame from that, ver- like, seriously, like, mm. unbelievably small thing, uh, like, still stick with me to this day. Yeah. And so now imagine that, like, you know, when I was that kid, um, this guy wrote a book that really devastated a lot of people's lives. You know, like, I can imagine how right. really, really horrible that would be. Um, but again, yeah. when when your faith is centered around you. That this is the, the wonderful uh message of the grace of God that it it's not about you, right? Like it's it's not as though your failures all of a sudden steer this ship right into the iceberg to kind of mix our ship metaphor from before, <laughs> you know. Like yeah. it's it's not as though you're the captain of the ship, it's not as though you're the one in control, and so when you fail it is unbelievably painful and difficult and it doesn't have to shipwreck everything because you're not the one in control.
0: Yes. Well, let's, let's listen to how Mike Cosper decides he's going to bring, he is going to bring the gospel here to bear on, on Joshua Harris.
2: Like the solution to your awakening could have been, Oh, I need the gospel instead of, the floor coming out, right? The the answer being, I need to be reformed again. Like I need the reformation of my own heart in the sense that what was exposed was the power of law that had been at work and that had been incredibly destructive. And I say that because like what I then worry about again is that the reactivity could be, well, this is the new law. This is the new path. I wanna invite people to walk this way because this way will liberate them. When again the gospel would go, man, that way's not that way's not gonna liberate them either. Like that way's going to um, you know, your vision quest isn't gonna you know what I mean? Like again, you know all yeah. the metaphors, right? Like yeah. where where I feel like the exposure of failure is the invitation to go, yeah, repentance is the way of life here. Like, man, we blew this. Like let's reform, mm-hmm. let's let's call out the sins of our organization. And I think, yeah, um,
3: which we definitely, which we definitely tried to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is, I think that was the, the good response. And I think the Christian message uh, provides that, that life, that pathway of constant repentance,
0: the clip of him discussing what he hopes for in the, Christian life in the last episode, so you can go listen to my thoughts and the guest hosts. But Pastor Michael, Mike Cosper comes, and I, as I mentioned in our first episode, I'll say here, I think one, I think there are a a number of motivations going on in this episode, some that I found some more admirable than others, and we might get into that in a minute here. But I do believe one of them evangelism is one of the purposes of this episode i do think both for joshua harris and for i think at some point they realized dang a lot of ex-evangelicals who kind of like that we're picking on evangelicalism are now listening and i think they felt probably a right obligation uh to try and say something to them so so what, what do you think about Mike Cosper's I'm going to put my pastor hat on here, you know, again, right. Quite honestly, it sounds like they have a kind of long-term relationship and he wants to talk to him. So what did you think about this?
1: Yeah, I'm, I honestly, um, most of it was very, I, I was impressed by generally. Um, I, I'm, you know, uh, I like that Mike Cosper wants to do that. You know, I like that. Um, he tried to do that. I like that he included uh, parts of that here, um, that it was not purely, uh, hey, let's give this guy a microphone and exvangelicalism evangelicalism is the way. Clearly, that's mm-hmm. not what Cosper thinks. It's not what he wants. Right. Um, and he does, I think in a, you know, again, he he's trying to be as winsome as possible, but he does uh, push on some really important things. Some of the things we've brought up, right? Hey, how do you know that you're not just doing the same thing. How do you know that now you've got it right? Um, you know, how do you know that like the problem isn't that you're still the same guy and you need to repent and reform and change? Um, not, not that everything else is wrong except for you, you know, <laughs> like right. that's uh, I think he pushes on some of those things again, maybe not as strongly as we might want or some of us might want, but but I, I like that a lot. I'm glad he did it, um, I'm thankful for it. Um, I'm this is maybe going beyond what Cosper did, but I do think it brings it up. um, And I want to hear what you think about this, because I think that you are somebody who's gifted in evangelism in a way that is just beyond how I'm gifted. I, I get to do evangelism sometimes, but I've never thought that I have really the gift of evangelism, whereas you're somebody that I think has the gift of evangelism. So I want to know what you think about this. But it seems to me that the the kind of modus operandi of most evangelism today. And I think you hear this in how Cosper presents things to Harris is basically uh, let me enter into your world and talk about you and try to get you to like, feel good about uh, what I'm bringing to you. Uh, And I'm, I mean, one of the things that this episode brings up is that, you know, we've said now is it seems like Josh Harris is just been the same guy, right? Like, and he's been the same guy who's just all about himself. He's constantly bringing it back to him and it's all about him. And I don't think that that is particular of Josh Harris. I think Josh Harris is somebody who uh, was particularly gifted and was like really remarkable from a young age and able to do things and present things in a way that others wouldn't be able to. But I don't think that his self-centeredness is different from basically all of us today, Hmm. like basically our entire generation. And uh, that being the case, I've become more convinced that what we need is really uh, much more of a John the Baptist type approach um, where it is a a proclamation of just very like firm repentance. Uh, Because even as we've talked about the, the very idea that, you know, like faith is, like is tied to the fear of God, right? Faith is tied mm-hmm. to uh, presenting, coming to God and presenting yourself in humility and, and self-abasement. Mm-hmm. Um, if that is the case, which I think is just obviously true biblically, then we, we can't uh, come to people and present Jesus to them as Hey, this is one option for you, and it would be a really like nice one. And here's all the ways that it would make you feel like the best possible you. And I think right. that's you, I think you kind of hear that in in how Cosper yeah. does this. Um, and I think it's far more pronounced in most evangelical evangelism. But what do you think about that?
0: Well, the note I had written is flattery as evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so, and I now again I'm I am. With the clips that they played, obviously we don't know how long they talked. We don't know what they said. I don't think the clips that I just the clip I played that I think is pretty representative. I'm trying to give this guy right because we have a generally uh sorry, here's a spoiler. We have a generally negative view of what they're trying to accomplish in much of this show. I'm trying to, I'm trying to go out of my way, especially when it's like, hey, they're trying to, they have an impulse to do evangelism. I don't want to. I don't want to just be like, nice try and just, yeah, right. I do want to do that when you spend two episodes letting Kristen Dumez run the show, right? I do feel (laughs) totally free to slap, you know, when you go about it that way. But, (laughs) but, but I, but what I mean is I almost don't know, given Joshua Harris, given all of this, who of what's going on, how could you pop like the problem with what you're describing is you actually are only converting the person to the same thing. They've always believed that the yeah. world is basically about me. And I want to figure out the path of least resistance for me. Yep. And so if that's what they're believing and you say, don't, hey, I know you've been trying to discover the path of least resistance because you care a lot about yourself. Well, have I got a, I, have I got a plan for you? Yeah, I've, got an, hey. omni- I've, I've got an omnipotent, omni God, it's all about you, right? Like, right, exactly.
1: It's hey, I know you love yourself so much. Guess what? Jesus does too, you know. Boom. And like, that's it's you know, like speaking about the love of Christ in this situation isn't necessarily wrong, um, no. but there has to be a, like a call of repentance.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so, what I think the the issue is is I actually don't know how you can say, "Will you do an interview for this wildly successful podcast I'm making?" And it not be basically flattery like I don't like because this this episode, Joshua Harris, we'd love to have you on a show for something more like this. This was never going to be there was never going to be a like you couldn't you couldn't have it be a I'm interviewing you because I'm and I'm interviewing you like the press interviewed Trump when he was president. I'm here to interview someone I think is wrong, right? Right. That is not how this was ever going to go. And so I do think there is a lot of value in listening well, in entering into what the person is saying, because when the person as and we don't play, we're not playing the clip here, but I I mean, we jumped on it last week when he says something, you know, but I'm wondering if there's a chance that someone could die forever and go to hell forever if that manipulation might not worth it. That's where you stop and say, I get it. I get your problem you don't like that god gets to make that decision. And yep. and and that's because what you're looking for is you are looking for where where this person, especially a person who is apostatized, what is the thing about god they've said no to. And that is where you need to press. You don't need to press um in other words. And so, you know, I think that there is There's an issue, and I mean, right, it's this, the other issue is, is, is I do think it's a generally good rule that we say law to the proud, grace to the humble, but we live Mm -hmm. in a day where false humility is maybe, maybe the like most prevalent form of pride. Is it the
1: one thing that holds us all together? (laughs) (laughs) It's false
0: humility. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, well, I got to keep giving this guy grace, man, listen to him, just be like, I'm figuring this out. And I, you know, like,
1: yeah, I'm questioning things. I really, yeah. you know, I know I've made some mistakes and so yeah. uh, listen to everything that I say. now. <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. it's just...
0: yes. So, so yeah, I, I think that's clear. So let's listen to another clip. Cause I think there's one other clip on this dealing with a person who's an apostate and apostasy. We have this clip towards the end of the episode where they talk about what evangelicals should be learning from ex-evangelicals, uh, like Harris,
3: That's that there are alternatives to it.
2: This conversation happened a couple of days after Josh released his curriculum online, a two hundred and seventy-five dollar guided study to help people understand their own deconstruction.
0: Sorry, a couple I just of days that click in there, just because it is just it's real over the top. It's just real over the top that that existed oh man it's just later
2: after lots of push- it is crazy push back he pulled it down as i've thought about josh's story there are two things that come to mind for me the first is the degree to which it's shaped by his status as a celebrity or in more modern terms an influencer the whole influencer phenomenon is unique in that it's about modeling a lifestyle and a worldview usually through the lens of social media it makes me think again about the word icon To what degree are Instagram posts from influencers, a window into the divine for a secular age, ways of worshipping a little pantheon of gods that represent sex or money or beauty or power, or spiritual enlightenment, including the enlightenment of having deconstructed. Broadcasting yourself in that way is a skill set, and Josh has had instincts that enabled him to do that since he was a teenager. It does seem like the launch of his deconstruction resources was a miscalculation. But I also imagine that's not the last time we'll see him working through some of that online. The other thing that comes to mind for me is how the ex-evangelical phenomenon is itself an expression of evangelical culture. It has its own gathering of celebrities, its own code of ethics, its own sense of who's in and who's out, and, as Josh learned the hard way last week, its own gatekeepers. What I think is visible in the phenomenon is the centrality of people's stories and experiences as the core impetus for the movement. Part of my hope in telling the mars hill story is to highlight how deep the spiritual and psychological damage of church-related hurt can be i hope that conservative evangelicals can listen to those stories before they go about defending their doctrine
0: let's stop it there he's got kind of two things he's he's trying to want us you to take away from this conversation i'm going to ask him kind of a meta question and then we can go back to those if you want this idea of learning from apostates, this idea of learning from ex-evangelicals, taking their testimony about, you know, even Mars Hill, you know, or, or these kinds of evangelical celebrity. I am unconvinced the New Testament would have us what we should be learning that, that the New Testament would have us learning from the apostasy of others in this way
1: yeah definitely not in this way, right? You do learn something from the apostasy of others, um, yes. but it is not learning from them, you know, like right. it's uh, you think, you know the God of this world has blinded the the heart of unbelievers, the mind of unbelievers, rather. Uh, okay, well, I wonder what they have to say. You know, like I wonder well, I wonder right. what their opinion is about it. Well, that right. doesn't work. you know, it's like it's like uh, a bunch of guys in Plato's cave just sitting in there and like telling you, Hey, man, like this, you know, you don't get it. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not in the cave. You know, like I'm, I'm not in there with you. Uh, right. So, I, like, I don't, I don't see what benefit you can really bring. Now, on just like a, on a different level, like, you know, you just kind of, you know, hinted at and I hinted at, um, there is something that you can learn from this. Listening to Joshua Harris, I actually think is interesting. I think it can uh, provide a lot of you know great cautionary tales for us. It can it can uh, help us to understand some things, um, but it is not as though it should not be a situation where we sit at the feet of those right. who have denied Christ, right, and right. trampled underfoot the Son of God, and say, okay, well, I wonder, I wonder what there is here for us. You know, I wonder right. what they can lead the church into. Well, that's not how this is going to work.
0: This, this is the, when Jesus said, you know, this, you will be a parable and a byword to the nations, right? Like the, the less in Hebrews, the lesson you learn from apostasy around you is fear because you could do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been thinking about it because of Romans 11, same thing, right? This, this idea that like, uh, you know, Gentiles uh, are told not to take pride in anything, um, looking at the downfall of Israel and the apostasy of Israel, um, because God can judge them just the same, right? Like they like uh, we are supposed to be just as you know uh, concerned with this. We shouldn't think, oh yeah, um, I guess I guess we're better, you know, than uh, Israel. Uh, no, like you you need to take heed lest you fall as well. Um, so that's 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 scattered throughout the New Testament this idea that we should be um, concerned and troubled when we see apostasy. And remember, once again, that this is not when I say troubled or concerned or fearful, this is not, oh, I'm fearful um, in such a way that this is going to, you know, lead me away from Christ. Uh, What we're saying is you should recognize once again, oh, yeah, if I trust in myself like Joshua Harris does, I will end up where he has ended up. If I, if I have a self-centered faith, this is what's going to happen to me. If I have a faith that relies upon my personal experience and is not a complete giving up of myself unto God, well then like I'm in trouble just as he is, right? I'm going to end up in the same place. But if, you know, if I see apostasy like this and then say, woe is me, like if it were not, but for the grace of God, I would be in the exact same place. That's actually going to be of net benefit. To my faith
0: right yeah even the i have i think i haven't figured out with relationships i've had a great relationship you can still destroy your marriage obvious like you know all of these these are these are the right lessons and so i think let's come up to where i actually think Christianity today and cosper realize we are actually running into this where where are playing where the conflict shows up where this let's all learn about how bad celebrity culture can be and, and and these kinds of things and 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 i think joshua harris puts a bit of a, a fly in that ointment towards the end of the interview
2: this is where i would challenge you in a secular age celebrity itself is the closest thing we have to sort of spiritual transcendence it's the one place we still believe in it because it's the one place where people laugh last right you know a president lasts uh, um, and we literally like Icon is a sacred term, like icon is a reference to, to sacred art. And we use icon today all the time for celebrities. And so I think there's this gravity towards sort of charismatic celebrity types, because by nature of the fact that they're famous, they carry an authority that has a gravitas in our culture that Joe Pastor down the street, at First United Methodist, doesn't have. And so it's a window to trans, again, like, the, like icon, I think is such a perfect language because the icons, this art that you look through into something sublime, I think celebrity kind of functions the same way.
3: Yeah. It's the- I mean, if I could just push back a little bit, maybe on, on what you're saying.
0: So again, Joshua Harris is about to push back because how Mike Cosper has just framed this is saying, let's all agree that the big problem here is the functioning of celebrity. Right. This is kind of his big, you know, look at it's how our culture is trying to find transcendence. I do think a lot of times where, just as a a sidebar in evangelism where we are like we're trying to cast things in the ultimate transcendent terms. I do think that that is we're we're reacting to the soul, eternal part of the, the people around us and knowing how these kinds of things affect culture. But it oftentimes is like the lady doth protest too much. We've given a lot way too much credit why people like to look at famous people on Instagram. Like, <laughs> you know, like the, you're the... trying,
1: you're trying to rationalize it. Like, well, of course there's like deep spiritual meaning behind it. And actually, no, we're just base, you know, like we're just yeah. we're just like this.
0: We're lazy and we like looking at people. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> right we like being and, able to see people thinking like either dreaming oh maybe i'll be like them someday or like tearing them down and thinking oh yeah they're horrible and yep. i'm not as horrible you know
0: yeah bitterness lust envy Yeah, yeah. Just,
1: we're just pretty normal people.
0: banal stuff yeah exactly whereas it, and again it's it's i there is we also live in a rationalistic time which is why we assume there's going to be like a a nice rationalistic answer but let's listen to joshua harris's pushbacks i think this is i and again, this is a moment that I'm actually glad they left in.
3: The issue of celebrity is something that that at times bothers me, and and maybe it's uh, it's being defensive, because obviously I have had a you know my, I would say maybe thirteen minutes of fame, <laughs> not even fifteen, but
2: you're definitely evangelical famous even even now. Well, it, right?
3: I think you know I think the thing is is that. I, I guess I can feel like it's a, it's an easy out for Christians who I think need to ask deeper questions about core theologies and systemic issues. And um, I'm not saying it's not problematic. I'm not saying it doesn't go against some of the ideals of the Christian faith. But I'm just saying that I think that it's a scapegoat at times in a way that allows them to write off the systemic issues and not evaluate them and i think you have to ask the question if it's such a problem then are the kind of core celebrities of the bible problematic because while christians can emphasize the message of the gospel is lay down your life and you know be the the meek and mild, humble servant, and so on. Why are we all still talking about Jesus? Because he is the most famous person in world history.
0: Now, pastor okay, Michael, I would like to emphasize to all of our listeners: this man was a pastor for yeah. years. Right. Many this is years. this is the level. This is the level at which he is able to represent um, thoughts about Christianity after at least a decade of being the pastor of a large and influential church.
1: Let's be honest though. This is what you get. Um, even from this interview a bit and from, if you followed again, anything else from Joshua Harris, uh, it's not out of the question that this is actually just what he's thought the whole time. You right. know, He's maybe willing to say it in a way, but like, yeah, like, okay, well following Jesus means I need to be like him, which is I just need to be one of the most famous people, you know, like I need to, I need to have this like great ambition of being like a super influential to so many people and, and speaking into so many yes. people's lives. And like that, that very likely has been what he actually thinks of Jesus.
0: He, he- here are the two big things that you need to hear hear him saying I, he was likely truly hurt by evangelicals he maybe really hurt people but listen when when Mike because Mike Cosper is trying to give him the out wow let's think about how problematic all of these things are right like giving him that out join me in this out and we can together deconstruct purity culture and the mega church we we can do that together no it's the cyst your you use this as a scapegoat to avoid the real conclusions right he and he's talking about the doctrine he's talking about the fundamental cores of christianity
1: yeah he says that right it's this is your like issues of actual theology what you believe that is the real problem
0: Yes. Is it possible so, that
1: this is where um, Joshua Harris was the whole time, and he came to a point where he first was confronted with things in the Bible that he otherwise had basically ignored in some way? I don't think well, that's out of the question.
0: So this this is the this is one of the things I think you need to know about apostasy is the people actually don't like what you believe, even if you grant them I know the church has hurt you, I know you know you can go down that whole road. And if they were truly sinned against, that's appropriate, right? And I, I'm not even saying, it's appropriate to listen. You are going to come back to the fact where they go, but God did this. <laughs> you know, that is where it will always, that's where it goes. But here's the thing that I think he said in the second half of the interview in the, of this answer, where he's like, you know, Christians, they want to talk about, it. it's all about lay down your life, being the meek and gentle person. But read the Bible, it's not all about that. I think I think the servant leadership, 20 years of evangelicalism he lived through, it's all just about the servant leadership. I think when you finally read the Bible, you go, dang, it's not all about that.
1: Right, so you're it's saying that there not. are elements of like, victory power
0: um the the church triumphant christ triumphant christ victorious yeah jesus jesus it takes a while to get to the back of the book in revelation where jesus says then my enemy's blood is going to flow as high as a horse's bit when i come back Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and 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 the problem is is that I love, you know, I want you to be gentle and lowly, dear listener, but that's not all there is to say about the Christian life. That's not all there is to say about your marriage. That's not all there is to say about Jesus Christ. And it's not that they're not important, but they have become such a paradigm for what we teach people to expect from the Bible, that every part of the Bible is going to be telling, is going to be causing you to have self-doubts and be less confident and be more meek and more, more gentle. Yeah. And,
1: and the reality is, um, you know, maybe part of this issue is this, right? What you're getting to, um, you have this conception of who God is that maybe you've been taught, maybe you've come up with yourself. It's probably a mixture of both. It's what you believe, the kind of the image of God that you've created in your mind as well as uh, what you've heard from others. And the reality is, this is you know, there's. I have at times you know described myself as a kind of ex evangelical, and I'll obviously like you know explain that very quickly. That and what I mean by that is not that I've you know left the faith, but I believe come to a more uh, like historic um, expression of the faith, and and what I mean by that is I left what I believe to be a, a pretty radically self centered theological system. You know, it maybe shouldn't even be called theological system, right? It's it is a, a very self-centered faith. So when somebody like Josh Harris, this is, this has been my, my contention about ex-evangelicalism for as long as I've known of it, right. As long as I've seen people talking about it, as long as I've listened to, uh, you know, Michael Gunger's podcast where he just talks about deconstructing. And I listened to it. I'm like, like these people are just evangelicals right They They just took the logical next step from God is all about me to It's only me, you know, like that, that's it. The only thing that there is, is me and my experience and my thoughts and my pains and my whatever's, but that's all that there is now. And uh, like, that is what I feel like I've tried to leave in many ways. But when, when you have that kind of a faith and you come to the scriptures, you have a conception of God that is a certain way. And you come to the scriptures and you read about some of the things that God has done that do not work within your system. Right, then you are being confronted with a necessity that either your system changes, or you have to leave the God of the Bible. Those are your options, right? You now maybe you misunderstand something in the scripture, so it's not to say that you always have the best understanding of what's going on. And um, this is why you shouldn't just do this alone, because that in itself is again part of the problem. Uh, but like this comes down to that fundamental issue. What is faith? What is true faith, actual faith look like? Well, part of it is the willingness to come to the scripture, to come to God as he has revealed himself in his word and in creation and say, okay, God, like your God, not me, right? Whatever you would have, whatever you would do, um, what, whoever you are, whatever you're like, I don't get to judge you, right? Like God is the judge. I don't get to come to the scripture as though I'm the one that is judging it. That's not how this relationship works. Not if you're coming in faith. Uh, faith is not stupid, right? It's, it's not, well, I'm just gonna, you know, uh, forget about trying to think about this, but it it is coming with a, a willingness to accept whatever God would say um, about himself, that you don't get to be the judge of God.
0: Thanks for joining us as we discuss apostasy. Maybe what you can do, obviously you can follow us on social media, tell us what you think. We may be revisiting this because someone we may love may have told me I had a, a particularly bad take in our last episode. But Pastor Michael, maybe everyone just needs to go home and listen to the hymn, whatever my God ordains is right.
1: Go listen to the hymn and go to church on Sunday. And if you're like if you're having doubts, if you're having difficulties, go talk to your pastor. You go go mm-hmm. talk to somebody, uh, and uh, if you're not in a church, email us or something. We'll try to help find you a church if we can. We'll we'll see. You know, if we know anybody in your area, we we want you to get plugged into a place where it's it's not about you, where you get out of yourself.